again in Mark, the sixth chapter. Mark chapter 6, and we'll look at verses 1 through 6. We uh, began last week uh, a new section. We're still on our same subject, which is a subset of another subject. Amen. Uh, We trust God. We're learning to trust God here at Heritage. Amen. It's very important. It's a word from the Lord for us that we need to learn to trust Him. And uh, a lot of people uh, think that they trust God uh, only to realize uh, at the most inopportune time in their lives that they don't. Okay? And this goes all the way back to some of the things that began in the aftermath of uh, the COVID pandemic. And we said that the COVID pandemic exposed some things in the body of Christ that needed to be exposed. Some things maybe that we thought um, we were stronger in than, than we actually uh, are. And it's uh, an, a wake-up call, if you will, uh, for us to, uh, to deal uh, with those things. Um, those things and those issues. And so learning to trust God is of the utmost uh, importance. I'm not a doomsday preacher. I'm not somebody who tries to scare you or manipulate you through guilt and and these sorts of things. But according to Jesus, the head of the church, um, what we're seeing in our world are birth pangs, pandemics, wars, Russia invading Ukraine, just pestilences, weather patterns, all this stuff. Um, that Jesus talked about, natural disasters. He said they're birth pangs, and that's key to understanding what, he, what he's communicating to us because birth pangs do what? They increase in frequency and intensity the closer you come to the delivering of, of, of a, a mother comes to delivering a child. And so there's always been wars on planet Earth since the curse. There's always been uh, natural disasters and things of this nature, but what we are seeing is an increase in their frequency as well as their intensity. And Jesus said these things must come to pass. That doesn't mean they must come to your door, okay? Uh, and, and thankfully, you know, when darkness covered Egypt, the lights were still on in Goshen where God's people lived, amen? Uh, so I don't, I'm not trying to tell you that you must uh, have these things or, or, or what have you. Um, but Jesus said they must come to pass. And it's very important then for us to learn how to trust him when everything in the world around us is, is, is uh, uh, in, in turmoil and upheaval. Remember, the chaos can be going on around you, but if you trust God, you can have peace in your heart in the midst of that chaos. Now, we said a subset of a subset. So we talk about trusting God, and we've said there's no um, greater honor than to trust God. For that matter, there's no greater honor than, than to trust and to be trusted um, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to any of the Southwest Believers Convention from last week. I've listened to some of that. I usually try to listen to all of it, um, seeing that as I'm not able to, to go and attend in person. Um, and uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis was talking about, you know, he was sitting around with a bunch of internationally well-known ministers, and they were talking about um, the largest gift that was ever given to their ministry. And for some, that was $10,000. For other, it was, you know, $50,000, one man, $100,000, somebody else, a million dollars. Well, Jesse Duplantis is sitting there eating his food. He's not participating. And so uh, John Hagee uh, asked Brother Jesse, he said, Jesse, you're, you're, you're being quiet on this. What's the largest uh, gift that was ever given to your ministry? And Jesse Duplantis said, trust. Trust, right? It's, it's more important than money. 
right? He said, trust is the, is the biggest gift I've ever been given by anybody. Trust, right? So <clears throat> there's no greater honor than, uh, for God than to trust him. As I've said a million times already, that's an exaggeration, right? a bunch of times already, um, what would it mean to me as a father and a grandfather for my children to talk about how much they love me but couldn't trust me any further than they could throw me? Right? That's not honor. Love alone is not honor. There's got to be trust associated with it. So <clears throat> now we come to uh, God honoring those who honor him. This is the principle we see in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we've been drilling down into that. Now before we look at the verses that we're going to start with this morning, I want to begin with a couple of related thoughts, and then we will build on those as we work through the scriptures. What, what we're seeing is that God honors those who honor him, and one of the greatest honors God can bestow upon a person is to reveal secrets and mysteries to them. For you to be trusted enough by God and honored enough by God for him to share secrets and mysteries with you personally, amen, uh, because you have qualified as being trustworthy, as being a man or a woman of honor, uh, so that God can then honor you in this way. And we, we've looked at verses in Luke 24, where we see a select group of people had their understanding unlocked so that they might comprehend the scriptures. And we've said comprehending the scriptures is, a, is, is much different than knowing about them. Um, there are a lot of verses people can quote from memory that they do not comprehend. Comprehension is, is something much deeper. Um, and, and, and this is where uh, results come from the comprehension of Scripture. Not just knowing about it, not just being able to quote it, not just being able to even teach a class. There are a lot of people who, who teach classes on subjects from the Scriptures that they don't personally comprehend. Amen. And so this, this deeper level of knowing and understanding, um, we called it last week, we called it insight, to be able to see into a thing, to be able to see beneath the surface, to be able to see beneath the appearance and see deeper into it, insight into God's kingdom, into how it works. We see again that there were people in Jesus' day who were given, it was a gift, they were given insight into God's kingdom and into how God's kingdom works. And Jesus plainly said, not everyone has been given this insight. So how do you go from a have-not to a have? How do you go from someone who does not have, has not been given insight into God's kingdom and how it works, to someone who has been given? It requires a qualifying attitude. It's an attitude of honoring God. It's, a, it's an attitude that values God's word. It's, it's, a, it's, it's given to men and women based upon their longing for it. Amen. Your desire uh, for uh, the deeper things of God has everything to do with God giving you understanding and comprehension of the deeper things. Amen. You still with me this morning? All right, now let's get to these two statements. I really feel like the Lord wanted me to begin here this morning. And, um, and so the first one's real simple, but it's very profound. Don't miss, don't miss the, the importance of it by the simplicity of it. God has to be able to communicate with you to help you. Okay? God has to be able to communicate with you to help you. Now, I could go through a whole long list of verses. Hosea 4, 6, my people destroyed for a lack of 
knowledge. Isaiah 5, 13, my people, um, he goes on in Hosea 4 to say that the reason his people lack knowledge is that he's made knowledge available to them, but they've rejected it. They didn't make it a priority. It, 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 they didn't honor it. They didn't value it, the, the knowledge that God made available to them. Isaiah 5 and 13, he says that his uh, mighty men uh, have an, an unquenchable thirst and an and a hunger that can't be satisfied because they lack knowledge. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that Satan has an advantage over us because we're ignorant of his devices and we don't understand, uh, we don't have the knowledge that, that we need to have. And so how do we receive the knowledge of God for our lives? It, it, it's based upon God's ability to communicate with you. So I know this is a very simple statement, but I, I really pray that the Holy Spirit helps you connect with this on a on a deeper level this morning god has to be able to communicate with you to help you can god help someone that he can't communicate with can let's let's look at salvation for a moment how how is a man or a woman uh saved how do we receive salvation the bible says that how how can they be saved unless they hear the message and how can they hear the message unless somebody goes and tells them and how can somebody go and tell them unless other people uh you know use their financial resources to send them so we see that there there has to be a hearing in order for there to be a, a a receiving of salvation jesus said those who hear these sayings of mine and do them right those who hear and respond will be saved. Those who hear and do not respond will be damned, will be condemned. So God has to be able to communicate with you to help you. Let's, let's build on this just a little bit, okay? God has to be able to communicate with you to help you, and His ability to communicate with you depends upon the attitude of your heart towards Him. It depends upon the attitude of your heart towards Him. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to put this on the screen you're going to have to stay with me, though, for me to kind of give you the context of it and, and, um, and, and what I think the Holy Spirit's trying to say to us through this. But, but, you know, do something, Jesus. Right? There's a lot of people in the church and outside the church that, that kind of have this attitude. It's like, do something, God. Do something about what's going on in our world today. Do something about people suffering. Do something about people this and people that, right? And, and, and it's, just, it's this attitude that, you know, all, all of these troubles and all these issues and all these problems and all these failures are because Jesus just won't get off his throne and do something. Do something, Jesus, right? Well, let's look at this in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which, was given, which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now let's time out here for just a minute, okay? If we were to um, research this deeper in the Scriptures, we're going to see that Jesus went to other places surrounding Galilee... And he was received and readily recognized as um, someone important, someone that God's hand was upon. Some thought him uh, to be a prophet. Some dared to think that maybe he was the son of God. Some thought that he was Elijah, you know. 
But in Lord's Day, what's, what is the, 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 the common factor in, in all of these different attitudes, even if they didn't have it completely right, is that they had an attitude of honor towards Jesus. And the Bible says that he did amazing miracles among them. But now he comes back to his hometown. He comes home. And, and, and so his own country, and notice disciples followed him. And so when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. In other places, we see that this was his pattern. This was his pattern. And when he would teach in the synagogue, he would read from the prophet Isaiah about, the, about what Isaiah prophesied concerning the Messiah, that the Messiah would open blind eyes, that the Messiah would set the captive free, that the Messiah would declare the acceptable view of the Lord. And so he would read that portion of Scripture, and he would say, Today, today, this Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus was saying, I am the one Isaiah was talking about. And people would hear that and they would respond favorably to it. And they would receive amazing works of God in their lives and families. Now Jesus comes to his own country. He does exactly at home what he did other places. And notice what the people said. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What makes him think that Isaiah was talking about him? What makes him think that that these scriptures are referring to him? What wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? In other words, they had heard about what was going on in these other areas. Notice what he says, verse 3. Notice what they say. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Now, offended at him, this is speaking of a condition of their hearts. They were offended. In other words, what's the attitude? Who do you think you are, Jesus? That may have played well in places where people didn't know you, but we know you. I changed your diapers when you were little. You built the, the end table that sits, that sits in, 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 in my living room. Uh, your, your brothers, we grew up with you, okay? This was their attitude towards him. Verse 4, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. So, just to be plain, these people had an honor problem. Are you seeing this? They didn't honor him. They had no honor for him. As a matter of fact, they looked down upon him because if you recall, Mary became pregnant with Jesus before she married Joseph. In a lot of their estimation, he was conceived outside of wedlock, okay, which in their estimation made them better than him. So they didn't look up to him and putting him in a place of honor. Instead, they actually looked down upon him and thought him to be less than themselves, worth less than they were in their own estimation, in their own valuing of the situation. Are you seeing this, right? So Jesus says a prophet's not without honor except in his own country. In other words, he's honored everywhere but at home, among his own relatives and in his own house. Verse 5, now he could do no mighty works there. It doesn't say he wouldn't do, it says he couldn't do. His hands were literally tied. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. 
Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, praise God. This keeps hopping up in my spirit, keeps jumping up inside of me, so I feel like I need to say it. Maybe in the days ahead we'll develop it a little more, but let me kind of come back to this, okay? For just a moment, praise God. Have you ever went to change a light bulb? You know, let's say the lamp, you know, beside your, you know, recliner, what have you. The the lamp's, the the light's not working. And so anytime, at least for me, if if a light fixture's not working, I tend to think there's something wrong with the bulb. We We need a new bulb, okay? But have you ever replaced the bulb and then it still wouldn't work? You ever done that before? So what's the, what's the issue? It's not a problem with the bulb. It's a problem with the fixture that the bulb is screwed into and the bulb works from. In other words, the bulb works in the scripture. The bulb works in the fixture. It works from the scripture. Are you with me? Now, take that same concept and let's apply it to faith. The Bible says God's given to every person the measure of faith. But the Bible also says that faith... Uh, with the heart man believes. In other words, faith is screwed into and works from the heart. It works from within the heart. I think a lot of people in the body of Christ today are confused in the sense that they think something is wrong with their faith. If you're following along at home, we, they think something's wrong with the bulb when there's nothing wrong with the bulb, there's nothing wrong with the faith. There's something wrong with the heart that the faith is screwed into and works from. Faith works from the heart. So, for instance, Jesus plainly told us that if we, if we have unforgiveness in our hearts, faith will not work. The faith that's in our heart will not work if our heart is corrupted by unforgiveness. Are you seeing this? So, when we, when we talk about the attitude of the heart and, and the condition of the heart, honor for God and His Word is such a critical piece of, 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 the, of the overall condition of our heart, amen, that will either enable Him to speak to us and work in and through our lives or not. It's getting quiet in here, that's okay. So, He could do no mighty work there. Not, not that He wouldn't, He couldn't except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, we've, we saw this in the passage in John, the fifth chapter, when Jesus said, how can you believe when you would rather have honor from men than honor that comes from God? Notice how a, a, a corrupt honor system in our lives, in other words, when, we're, when we don't have honor uh, working as it was meant to work in our lives, it has all kinds of negative side effects. And one of those side effects is it, it makes it difficult, if not impossible, for us to believe what we need to believe in order to receive what God wants us to receive. How can you believe? He marveled because of their unbelief. You think, well, I'm, I, I'm not seeing unbelief, I'm seeing a lack of honor. One translates into the other. A lack of honor will always cause um, an inability to believe God and receive from Him what it is that He desires to do in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, so in in these six verses, do you see 
the lack of honor for Jesus? Do you see it? I'm, I'm asking you a really important question. Do you see this? These people don't honor him. Who do you think you are? You're Mary's son. You're, your brothers and sisters live right here among us. Do you see how they treated him lightly? They didn't respect him, honor him, roll out the red carpet for him. Do you see how they treated him lightly? Do you see the lack of value for him and the lack of respect for him? Do you see how this disabled Jesus from helping them? See, why are we pointing this out? Because we're just trying to diss these people? No, it's because the same principle applies for you and me. Our lack of honor will uh, put a stranglehold on our faith. Our lack of honor for God will, will prevent him from, from being able to do in our lives what he desires to do in our lives. So, one more question, a couple more questions. Did Jesus want to help these people? I believe he wanted to help them more than anybody else, that he, if that's possible. Because these would have been the people he grew up with. These would have been the people that, in other words, he healed strangers. He cast the devil out of, out of people he had never seen before. He, he healed uh, uh, people that were crippled and blind, that, that he met for the first time and, and healed them. And yet, here's all these people that he grew up with, that, that he played with as a child, that, that, that he uh, went to school with, or, or what have you. And, and, and so if there was ever anybody that Jesus wanted to help, and he wants to help us all, it would have been these people. Now, here's the next thing I want you to see. What was Jesus' solution? We see it in verse 6. He went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He continued to teach in an effort to create ready hearts. Now, this is deeper down in my notes, but I want to just get to it now in case we don't have time for it later. Okay. Jesus can only work with a heart that we give him to work with. See, we're, we're sitting here like, do something, Jesus. These people need you in Mark chapter you know, 6. Do something. Do something about this. What did he do about it? He went about in a circuit teaching. Because he can only work with the heart that he has been given to work with. And the hearts of these people were hearts that had no respect for him. They had no value for him. They had no honor for him. They, they thought he was less than them. They didn't give him a place of priority, a place of respect, a place of honor. They gave him one of disrespect. They even said things like, physician, heal yourself. In other words, you've got a worse problem than we have, Jesus, and you're up in here trying to help us. That was their attitude towards him. So you think, well, is Jesus just going to heal him anyway? He can't heal him anyway. See, that's what we, that's, that's the, I think that's the attitude that, that so many people have. That's, that's what I'm trying to, to get across with you and I, to you this morning. The Holy Spirit's helping us. Amen. This whole do something Jesus. Maybe you've never said that. Maybe you have. Maybe you've never thought that. Maybe you have, right? But he, here's the reality of it. Are you ready? He has done something. He died for you without any, without any guarantee you would ever give him a second glance. He bled to death naked on the cross just to give you the option of returning to his father and, 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 to, and to know his father. Without any guarantee, any of us would. 
He was beaten almost to death. To organs were hanging out of his body just so your body could be healed should you ever take him up on his offer to receive healing from him. We're sitting here, do something, Jesus. And Jesus is like, I can't help you if I can't communicate with you. If I can't communicate with you and to you what I've already done for you, what I've already given to you. And so what happens then is, in our ignorance, we are begging Him to do things for us that He's already done. We're asking Him to give us things He's already given to us. We're asking Him to help us with things that He's already helped us with. Thank you, Jesus. So what did He do? He continued to teach in an effort to create readiness of heart. All right, let's go back now to where we were on last Sunday. Matthew chapter 13. Go there with me, please. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise you, Father. Matthew chapter 13 contains one of the most important parables Jesus ever taught us. In the sense that he said, if you do not understand this parable, how will you understand any of the others? And this particular parable is the parable of the sower. That's not needle pulling thread, that's farmer planting seed. Okay? The sower, the planter. And in this parable, he compared different soil conditions that seed lands upon when the farmer plants it to different conditions or attitudes of people's hearts. And in this parable, it's a simple parable, but again, like all the other parables, it's comparing something we understand to something that we do not. And when Jesus breaks down the parable... He explains that the seed represents his word and the different types of soil that seed lands upon represents the different conditions or attitudes of people's hearts when they receive the word. So let's go back to God's ability to help you is based upon his ability to communicate with you. His word, right, comes to us. What is his word? His word is is him communicating with us. But whether or not that word, that communication from him to you is stolen and you never benefit from it at all, or that word is received by you and produces 30, 60, 100-fold results in your life has nothing to do with what God is saying to you. It has to do with the attitude of your heart when you hear it whether it's received and you benefit from it or it's stolen from you because you don't understand it. Remember, that was, he, he said the seed lands in the, in, the, in the hard places and the birds come and immediately steal it. And he says Satan comes immediately to steal the word. And we said this before, and I'll say it again this morning, okay? Satan steals 100% of the words you never hear. Every sermon you're not present to hear, he steals from you, okay? <laughs> so, but even once we hear it, even once we hear it, the Bible says that, that he's able to steal it because that's the heart that didn't understand it. This is why, and I know some of you are, are more advanced and, and, and really developed in the things of God and the scriptures and all that, and sometimes I know you're like, man, when's he going to get on to something a little more deeper, what have you. 
See, this, this is why I review things. This is why I'll say some of the same things three different ways. Because I know that if you don't understand it, Satan's going to steal it from you and it's never going to help you. So according to the Old Testament, one of my primary responsibilities in preaching and teaching the Word of God is to read the Scripture and make the sense. In other words, present it to you in a way that you can understand it. Put it on a low enough shelf so that anybody in here who wants to take it and walk out of here with it can take it and walk out of here with it. I'm not here to try to impress you with how smart I am, how much I know, and all this other stuff. That's, that's, there's enough of that in pulpits today. Jesus came to take the most complicated things of the universe and make them simple enough for a child to understand them and to even teach other people and lead other people in it. Okay? So this is the context of what we see, and it's like, um, I don't know a whole lot about songs or songwriting, but, you know, in a, in a song there's a bridge. Well, Jesus gives the parable, and then we have, later in the chapter, we have the explanation of the parable, but what we see bridging the parable and the explanation, again, some of the most important words we could ever understand from the mouth of Jesus, and this is what we see. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For, for whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Listen to me now. We're not talking about money. A lot of people try to say, Well, this is talking about money. No, this is not talking about money. What he's talking about, a man or a woman either having or not having, is a heart ready to receive, a heart that honors and values the wisdom of God that he wants to impart to you. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their ear, they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, so that I should heal them. Let's keep reading. Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Okay? Now, he's going to explain, expound on that a little more. Let's go down to verse 34, same chapter, Matthew 13, 34. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Jesus came to communicate things to you and me that had never been communicated to anyone before Jesus arrived on this earth as a human being. He came to reveal kingdom truth, wisdom for your life, understanding for your life and the life that God created you to live. Jesus came to reveal truth to us, understanding to us, information, whatever you want to call it, to you and me that had been kept hidden, that had been kept in the vault, that had been kept a secret until Jesus finally came and was given permission by His Father to reveal it to you and to me. 
Man, that ought to jazz you up right there. That ought to get you just absolutely excited, okay? We see, I'm not going to take the time to read it. We see this in, in other places. Romans 16 would be another example of this. We live in a day unlike any other on earth. Some of the greatest secrets and deepest mysteries have now been revealed for us to know, live by, and benefit from. Now, praise God. Stay with me for a few more minutes, okay? You cannot live any higher or better than your best thinking. Okay? Now, do we need to take, we don't have it, but we need, do we need to take 30 minutes to explain that right there? You, you can't live any higher or better than your best thinking. See, this is why Jesus says to you and me, come and I will give. Learn from me and you will find. The scriptures are very clear. God has given you things that you don't know are yours. He has done things for you that you don't know he's done. He has made you something that you haven't been introduced to yet. Come on now. By his stripes you were healed. Oh, Father, give us comprehension of that verse. Give us comprehension of that verse. The kind of comprehension that we need where that verse is concerned. Ephesians 1. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He didn't say you will be. He said you have been. You have been, 2 Peter 1, you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. 1 Corinthians 2. You have received, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by God. say well if i've been given all these things why am i not experiencing them why am i not realizing them why am i not enjoying them in my life reality it's because you cannot live any higher or better than your best thinking the blessing of the lord makes one rich he adds no sorrow with it jesus came under the curse that had us crushed lifted it off of us and carried it away so that the blessing of Abraham might become might come upon the non-biological descendants of Abraham. That's you and me. That's born again men and women. Okay? Which means you are just as blessed, and I could certainly make a biblical case more so, you are just, not will be, have been, you are just as blessed as Abraham ever was. So, but see, this is where people get so confused. They're like, well, no, because I, you know, I, I, I've got a power bill. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay, Pastor Mark. I've got, I got uh, you know, college tuition due. I've got this. I've got that. Whatever, you know. I mean, I've got bills too. I understand, right? Okay. But we look, we look at that and it's like, you know, I'm just not. See, again, you cannot live any higher or better than your best thinking. So what does this mean then? What does this translate into? It means hidden things, hidden things revealed means the life those revelations make possible is now available to you and me. Maybe I'm taking too much time here. Maybe I'm not taking enough. All right. Stay with me now for just a sec, okay? 
The call of God is what kind of call? Somebody shout it out to me. It's an upward call. See, we, we're focused on getting God to do something for us, and He's focused on trying to take you somewhere you've never been. We like want to be static and God come do it for us, okay? And God is like, no, no, come on, let's come up to a higher place. It's an upward call. He's trying to bring you to a higher level. We were all created by God to live on a level we can't get to by ourselves. Now, let's go back to where we began. God's ability to help you is based upon His ability to communicate with you. And His ability to communicate you is communicate with you is based upon the attitude of your heart towards Him. So, if better thinking leads to better living, remember now, a better life begins with better thinking. Write that down. A better life begins with better thinking. You say, no, no, Pastor Mark, a better life begins with Jesus. No, unless you think Jesus was a, was a fraud. I mean, I agree, better life begins with Jesus unless you're thinking about Jesus is wrong. So a better life begins with better thinking. Father's trying to take you to a higher level of life reality, but you can't live on a higher plane with lower plane thinking. We're trying to experience the goodness of God's kingdom living based upon this, this world's system and mindsets and attitudes. Amen? So you can't live better or higher than your best thinking. So when the Word of God says to you and me, things that have been hidden, truth, wisdom, understanding that has been kept a secret is now revealed information that we previously did not have access to has now been made accessible for us, that information will enable us to live on a level higher than any human being has ever been able to live on on this planet. Sweet Jesus. Amen. Praise the name of the living God. All right, let me do this. Insight insight s-i-g-h-t sight i-n insight okay the ability to see into things the ability to one way that i'm going to simplify insight insight is when you see things other people can't see other people look at it and they they see the, the surface of it okay um brother greg was showing me uh a project he recently did in his home where he replaced a, uh, a fuse box with a circuit panel, okay? And as I've already confessed to you, I know about electricity, but I don't comprehend it. And I'm looking at all these wires and breakers, and I guess there's a bar that some of them screw into over here, and some of them over here, and grounds, and he said this old system didn't have a ground, all this stuff, right? You know, in other, in other words, I can look at that and see one thing, but he looks at it, and, and he sees deeper into it. Let me say it another way. It appears one way to me. It appears a much different way to him. Those of you who understand electricity and how to wire in circuit breakers and things of this nature, you look at, at a circuit with a safety panel taken off. You look at that, and you see it one way. Matter of fact, this is, this is the difference, right? If something had been wired incorrectly in that panel, I would have never known it. But someone who has insight into it could have looked at that and went, oh, buddy, that wire shouldn't be there. That one should be there. 
That's insight. It's the ability to see beyond just the outward appearance of a thing. It's the ability to see into it. Would you agree that Jesus had insight that other people on planet Earth while he was here did not have? It's why he never saw an impossibility. He would see somebody dead four days, and and he would simply say, look, with God, all things are possible. If my father wants this man back from the dead, this man's coming back from the dead. It doesn't matter if it's never been done before. It doesn't matter if nobody else believes it can happen. It doesn't, it doesn't, if my father tells me to go raise that man from the dead, all i got to say is Lazarus come forth, and he's coming out of that grave. See, that's insight. Everybody else looked at that grave and saw a dead man, smelt a dead man, cried over the dead man, couldn't believe Jesus wasn't there. Do something, Jesus! If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, did I not tell you if you would believe me, you would see the glory of God today? I am the resurrection and the life, is what he said to them, right? And they said, we know that he'll live again one day in the last trumpet. You know, Jesus said, I didn't say one day, I said today. See, notice how all the different levels of, right? Jesus had insight. Stand with me this morning, praise God. Moses. The Bible says he did everything he did. It was as if he could see God who was invisible. You say, well, that was Moses. That was Jesus. That was, that, 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 that was Abraham. They, they, you know, those guys are special. Listen to me. You have access to understanding information and revelation that Moses and Abraham and all those other folks in the Old Testament did not have. which means you have access to a level of life and living that they did not have access to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I got more. We'll, we'll get to that next week. Um, let's, uh, let me pray for you, and then we'll, we'll do communion. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Father, this morning for your truth. I thank you, Father, this morning for the attitude uh, and, and, the, and the hearts of these men and women towards you and towards your word. I thank you, Father, that, that here at Heritage, Lord, it's, it's indiv- both individual and collective, Lord, we have a heart to know you. We have a heart, Lord, that hungers and thirsts for you. Lord, we, we want to know what you know. We want to live our lives not according to the ways of this world, but according to the higher ways of our God and Father, the higher ways of our Savior and your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I thank you this morning that, that, that we are giving place to you and to your word. We, we value it. We respect it. We honor it, Lord. We, we, we're going to take what we're hearing this morning, and, and, and we're going to take it home with us, and we're going to look into the Scriptures and see what else you might have to say to us personally about these things, Lord, because the effort that we put towards understanding what we hear, Father, directly impacts our ability to hear more and to hear deeper things from you. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for believing the best about us. Thank you for never giving up on us. Father, you want to help us. And we acknowledge this morning that your ability to help us is based upon your ability to communicate with us. And so, Father, whatever may be in our hearts that's preventing you from being able to communicate to us whatever attitude in our heart, Lord, whatever unforgiveness, whatever dishonor, Lord, that may be in our hearts, may your Holy Spirit reveal it to us quickly and may we quickly repent and deal with it, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. In Jesus' name.
Amen and amen. All right, so again, if you have not yet received your communion emblems, they're on the tables towards the back. If you'd like to go ahead and, uh, and grab those. Amen. Sister Pam's sending the kids in. We'd like for them to come in and partake of communion with us this morning. Praise God. You know, the song, um, let's go ahead and, and uh, the top uh, cellophane, let's pull it back and we'll get to the wafer. Amen. Amen. Those of you who are watching online, feel free to grab some grape juice and a cracker or something from your cabinet and, and uh, participate with us this morning. <clears throat> Amen. Let's pray over the, the bread this morning. Father, we acknowledge what this small round wafer represents this morning. It represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Father, no bones were broken according to what the prophet said would happen. But Father, it's talking about his, the opening of his flesh, the breaking uh, of the outward shell and the blood, the lifeblood, Lord, that, that ran forth from him. Father, his body was broken so that our bodies could be made whole and well and strong this morning. And Father, we acknowledge that healing is in us. We acknowledge this morning that because of what Jesus has done for us, the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is in us and is quickening our physical mortal bodies. And so, Father, as we participate and uh, humble ourselves and, and participate in, in this uh, Lord's Supper, as we follow Jesus' instructions and obey them, I thank You, Father, that by acting in faith, Lord, that we are releasing the very healing power and virtue of God into our physical bodies, Lord, to bring healing and strength and wholeness and soundness, Father, to every area and dimension of our existence. Lord, we thank you for this body that was broken for us and what it means to us now as we partake together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's open the cup now. And that beautiful song they sang this morning, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Amen. The blood applied. The blood applied. Father, as we stand before you this morning, we want to begin, first of all, by saying thank you for what you did for us through the completed work of your Son. But, Father, also thank you for... Um, the day that we heard this message of the gospel and thank you for your Holy Spirit and the work that he did leading up to our hearing to prepare our hearts to hear and receive and then the work that he did in drawing us to that place of salvation. Father, we see um, your work, we see Jesus, God the Son's work and we see the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit's work in our salvation and, and yet this blood this blood is what makes it possible. The blood that Jesus shed for us, Father, the forgiveness of our sins, bought and paid for, the removal of our sins, never to be held against us or remembered uh, against us ever again, bought and paid for by His precious blood. Father, as we partake together this morning, we do so acknowledging every good thing that's in us. Jesus told us to take this into ourselves, to drink it, um, to, to, to literally swallow it, Father, because it represents the internal, inside-to-outside work that you're doing and completing in each one of us. And so, Father, we again say thank you for this incredible gift. 
and we partake together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Could we just stop for a moment? Just lift our hands and thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, both now and forever, Father. Thank you for the blood. There to my heart was the blood applied. And we thank you for it, Father. Thank you for what you're teaching us, Lord, what you're doing in us. Father, as we've learned together over the years here at Heritage, we've learned that what you're telling us today is to prepare us for what you want to do in us, among us, through us, with us tomorrow. And so, Father, we uh, thank you for helping us make the necessary adjustments where our attitude towards you and your voice and your words are concerned in our lives. Thank you for speaking to us, and thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here this morning. If no one has told you, please know that you're loved. Please know that we pray for you and are standing with you. Amen. Have a blessed and wonderful afternoon. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you on Wednesday. You have a great week. In Jesus' name, be blessed.